You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, We have been working through the book of Mark, and uh, we're actually taking a break today uh, because we're going to see Jesus raised next week when we celebrate uh, the resurrection, when we celebrate Easter, and kick off our Christmas. And so remember, we're having Christer next year, next week. So uh, this week, we're taking a break and just getting a, uh, taking a, a small, like almost a picture into a a scene in the book of Revelation. I I love this this chapter. It's chapter 4 in the book of Revelation. If you have your Bibles, feel free to go ahead and open it there. This is where we're going to be. In in this chapter, we get a picture of heaven. I love a good picture. There's there's great pictures. We actually had uh, Jessney come and take family photos uh, this past weekend. And and you love good photos. And especially when everyone's perfect and smiling and their hair's just right and the kids are behaving and uh, and, uh, Sarah and I are happy and everything's perfect. And that's never our picture, right? Um, It's usually something like chaos and kids are all over and one of them refuses to turn. And so we just kind of take the shot and then take another shot from the back side and superimpose that face uh, turned around. Um, or they're just like, my favorite photos are just the goofy ones. Like we have this one. We went to a wedding. Um, all four of my kids were part of a wedding with a missionary that we were missionaries with in Taiwan. And this of all the photos is my favorite one. This is the one we put on our Christmas card because it's just the most fun. Like it's just who they are being crazy and fun. Um, but it gives you this moment in time. Like this is my family. It's crazy. It's nuts. It's it's who we are. Or this photo, I love this photo. Uh, we went last year to, this was out on a lake. My kids, have, we'd never been on a lake. We're not lake people. like to stay dry and clean and live. And, um, but we went to this lake and we're like, okay, let's go out on the lake. And it was cold. It was really cold, but I, I'm not a lake person. So I was like, yeah, we'll stay dry. It's all right. And so this is taken just moments before Isaiah and I went out on the kayak and I had this awesome idea. And I was like, hey, do you think you can stand up? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And then I took my oar and I hit him from the back to get him to fall out, which then in turn, I didn't realize my power and I took us both down and then we're in the middle of the lake. Neither one of us know how to get back in a kayak because we're not lake people. And uh, so we froze. But this is a moment that reminds me of this story, just this glimpse in in this great moment I had with Isaiah. And so this is what I picture when we see this chapter, chapter 4 of Revelation, is this, is this picture, this moment, just a glimpse. I mean, if you see that picture, you don't know our whole trip, you don't know what we did on that trip, you don't know anything, but you have this glimpse of this moment that means so much to me uh, that Isaiah and I had. And so that's what we have here in Revelation 4, is this, is this glimpse into heaven, Revelation is written by the, the uh, disciple John. Uh, John, if you don't know, was uh, many of the disciples, all the disciples were martyred in some form, except for John. He's the only one that lived to a long age, except for he had been tortured. He had been dipped in a vat of boiling oil. He had had a rough life, and he was outcast to the island of Patmos because of his proclamation of Jesus. And so while he's on this uh, island, as, while he's, as an outcast, while he's being set aside from the rest of society, he has this vision that Jesus comes to him and, and says, write this down. And so the beginning of the book of Revelation, Jesus gives him information about the churches here on earth. And, and this letter, it's a, a letter to these churches on how they can, what they're doing well and what they could be doing better. And, and it's a letter to those churches, to seven churches, but, but also to us. 
to us as a church, to us as individuals on how we can grow in our faith and our walk. But then it gets to the future and it's this uh, proclamation of what's to come, right? Later on in the book of Revelation, much of Revelation is the future times. But in this moment, between looking at earth and looking at the future, we get this glimpse of heaven in chapter 4. And I love this, this moment where we get to see because this, this is the present in heaven. I want us to just fully grasp that before we dive in the text. This is what's going on right now. If you have a loved one that's passed, this is what they're seeing. If we were there in heaven right now, this is what they'd be doing. As we sing and worship, they're worshiping right now. I love this chapter because we get to see this is heaven right now. What's going on? What it's like for us when we get there? What the angels are doing, what the saints are doing, what the people that have been redeemed are doing. They're all praising God. And so we have this beautiful moment of this glimpse. And this picture gives, doesn't do justice of who God is. I think that's the one drawback with a, with a picture is you don't get the full glimpse of the laughter that Isaiah and I had as we tried to dry off afterwards. And, and you don't get the stories that when we went back and told the family about how we both fell out of the boat and how my plan backfired. You don't get the whole picture. You just get that, that glimpse. And the reality is, even as we look into Revelation 4, we don't get a full grand picture of the magnitude of God. Revelations 4 is going to give us a, a glimpse of that. But we so often see God as, as our friend, as the one that loves us, as the one that has compassion, which is all true. But man, God is so much more. He's so much more grand. He's so much more majestic. He's so much more holy. He's so much more set apart. And this is what we'll see, just a little glimpse of this. John is trying to describe in, in human words what is indescribable. And so he's given his best shot. And through that, we're going to see why we worship. We're going to see why we need to worship, why we need to keep our eye focused on God. This season, it's Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's, it's sometimes, a, for some of you, it's an amazing time, right? It, it's a time of celebration. Maybe it's the first Christmas with your, with your newborn baby. Uh, I was talking to someone yesterday that this is their first Christmas in their new house, and we were saying, hey, where are you going to put the tree and so forth? It's just a time of joy, a time of celebration for some. It's a great time for families to get together, but at the same time, this holiday season can be, can be hard, I was talking with someone this morning about families, and families could just be hard. Or maybe it's even more than that, that there's a family member that's missing this Christmas. Maybe it's, this is a hard time because the, the budget is tight, and you want to be able to get gifts, and you just don't know how that's going to happen. Sometimes for many, the holidays is it's a hard time. Whether it's a great time or a hard time this year, shouldn't make much difference because the point of Christmas isn't about our circumstance, isn't about where we're coming from and, and what, what we're feeling. It's about Jesus, God, Emmanuel, God with us, coming to earth. And so while there is great influence, whether we have that newborn baby or we're missing that loved one uh, over this holiday season, also it's important for us to, to keep reminder, what is the point of this season? It's God. It's not gifts and presents and food and, and music and decorations. It's God. And so I thought nothing better to go into this season than to be reminded 
of who it is we're worshiping, why we worship. And this chapter gives us a glimpse of why do we worship God. So imagine he got this door. And, he, and John had this vision, and, and he comes upon this door, and, and he sees this door, and it's open. It's slightly open, and he wonders, man, what, what's behind that door? I don't know about you, but I always get quizzical when I, I see a door. Whenever I'm at a store, a restaurant, a, a building, I often just check, see what's behind the door. And my wife's like, stop that. That's not your place. And it's usually just a closet or something. I'll pull out a vacuum. Uh, but, but I always open these doors just because I'm always curious. So you have this door, and you wonder, John wonders, what? What's behind this door? And he gets closer, and he sees the door is open. What do you do? Do you peek in? Do you try to see? Like, this is a vision from God, the Holy One, the one that could squelch him in an instant, the one that is amazing, the creator of everything. Do I open the door? And we see chapter 4, verse 1. It says, after this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here. And I will show you what must take place after this. He opens that door. This is the first step for each of us. We're opening this door and and ascending to heaven to see what heaven is like right now. Right here. This is not the future. This is heaven currently. And it's important for us to grasp this. As we go through this door, as, as we go through and ascend to heaven, this is what we're about to see is what's going on as we speak. We have a glimpse of heaven. And John says, at once I was in the Spirit. This is the way John says that he, he was there, he was with it. And there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. He doesn't say that it's God, but we know it's God because in chapter 5, we see the Son approaching the throne. And later on in chapter 4, we're going to see the Holy Spirit is all around. And so there is one sitting on the throne. There is God up on the throne. When the king is on the throne, it's clear who's in charge. There's no question in the kingdom who, who's in control. There's no question that who, who do we look to for direction. There's no question. If the king is on the throne, the king is in charge. Whoever sits on that throne is the one that is ruler over the entire area, over the entire land. And he gets into heaven, and he opens that door, and he sends. First thing he sees is the throne, and there on the throne is God. Why do we need to worship this season? God's on the throne. That alone is reason enough. Regardless of our circumstance, God is still the king. And he's on the throne. He's in charge. He's a ruler over all creation, over heaven, and he's reigning. And so it's very clear the first thing that John sees when he gets to heaven, and I, and I hope, I imagine, the first thing that I see is going to be God on a throne. What a beautiful thought. Because then it says, and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald circle, uh, like like an emerald encircled the throne. These stones are the ones mentioned in the breastplate of the of the high priest in Exodus twenty eight. These stones represent majesty and holiness and purity. Rubies re- represent uh, judgment and wrath. This is all encompassed in God. 
His majesty, his judgment, his power, his wrath, everything is sitting on the throne right now. This is a glimpse of right now. And then there's a rainbow all around. As we've been told from God, a rainbow is a symbol of a promise of faithfulness. And faithfulness encircles the throne. And then it says, surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and the crowns of gold, uh, with crowns of gold on their head. I love this because this is how we get a glimpse that this is, earth, this is heaven right now. Because when Daniel, when Daniel had a glimpse uh, of heaven in chapter, Daniel chapter 7, those thrones were empty. For they'd not been redeemed. They'd not been filled by the redeemed yet. But now when John has seen, there are 24 thrones, and on those thrones are, uh, many people believe it's the 12 sons of, uh, sons of Israel, and there's the 12 disciples, and they encompass all of the Old Testament, all of the New Testament, all of mankind redeemed, clothed in white robes with crowns. These 24 elders represent you and me, represent those that have come before us, and those believers that will come later, all those that believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he is our, our personal Savior, that he died and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins, all those that sins have been washed clean, all those who have been atoned for, all those who are redeemed are represented there among these, these elders on the thrones. God is there on the throne, and then all of mankind that has been redeemed, that has believed, encircles God. This is where we are, will be. This is where our loved ones are, encircled around God. Why do we worship? Because he deserves worship after all he's done for us. Because look at these people that are on these thrones. They're sinful, they're fallen, they're average people like you and I, but they've been redeemed. They can sit there among God with white robes because their sins are washed clean. There's, if there's no other reason than that to worship this season, let that be that my sins have been washed clean, that your sins are wiped away. So the passage continues. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. It's this interesting image that there's thunder and lightning and, and rumbling and this kind of chaos going on, and yet there's this calm sea. All throughout Scripture, we see the sea. The, the sea represents storm, represents, uh, uh, represents wrath, represents pain and suffering, and here's a calm sea, much like the sea that we saw in Mark earlier, that the waves are thrashing and there's thunder and storm and Jesus come and he came and he calmed it all down. For some of us, that might be the passage to take away from this morning. You might find yourself in the midst of raging sea. That you don't have answers and you don't know where answers are going to come from. And it just seems like a hard time, seems like a hurtful time, seems like a struggling time. And God is on the throne. 
And in heaven, the sea is calm. And what we have to look forward to is peace in the presence of our Savior. It says in the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third had a face like a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, 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 it's the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. These creatures represent all of creation. The lion is the wild animals. The ox is the domesticated animals. You got the birds of the air, and then you got the creation of man. All are crying out. Creation cries out to God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. All of creation is crying out to God. We see this, this same passage, this book of Revelation, and ties everything together, and we see that in the Old Testament. We see that in the New Testament. Old Testament, Psalms 19, says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out to all the earth, their words to the end of the world, into the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. Creation cries out, holy, 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 who was and is and is to come. Jesus shares in Luke 19, it says when he came, when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out, Holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. All of creation is crying out in heaven and on earth, crying out the majesty of who God is. Holy, holy, holy. Holy means to be set apart. And in the scriptures, to repeat something three times means to, to make it perfect. All of creation is crying out, God is perfectly set apart. It's perfectly holy. And they're doing this over and over and over. Creation is proclaiming who God is. Why do we worship at this season? Because all creation it's worshiping because he is perfectly holy. Continues on, whenever the living creatures giving glory, honor, and thanks to him who sit on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders then fall down before him who sit on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne, saying, you are worthy, O our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. All of creation is crying out, holy, holy, holy. 
Or the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And every time it says every time they do that, the, the creation, the redeemed, the elders, the redeemed, the people like you and me fall to our knees and proclaim, you are worthy, you are worthy. That we take our crowns and place it at his throne because everything that he's given us, we want to give back because he is worthy of glory and honor and power. So all creation cries out, holy, holy, holy. All the redeemed cry out, you are worthy of glory and honor and power. They give their everything to him. As you see this, this passage, I wonder if it's a little convicting to us now. Are we giving our everything now? Are we living as if we were already in heaven? Because we have the same God on the throne that we will in heaven. Why aren't we living like that now? What are we holding back? Is there anything? Perhaps the season, perhaps the season is so caught up in the joyful moments of, uh, of the celebration of Christmas and of the music and the, the lights and presence uh, of a new home or a new baby or a new job, of a new relationship. Are we holding back our praises to God? Maybe at this season that hurts that there's pain, that there's suffering, that there's loneliness, that there's disappointment, that there's hardship? Are we holding back our praises to God? They're giving their all, their everything to God, that their whole focus is on Him. And I love this key point of this passage, that when we talk about why do we worship, all of creation, all of creation praises him and says, holy, holy, holy. But the, the redeemed, they know why. Because he is worthy, our Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power. For he created all things, and by his will all were created, and we all have been. God is worthy of our praise. Why do we worship? Because he deserves it. Why should he be our focus at this season? Because he created all things, because he's worthy of it, to receive our glory, to receive his honor, to, to, to receive the glory we have to give to him, to receive his honor, to, to receive power. All of this is God's, for he is worthy. The same message is echoed throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, that God is worthy to be worshipped because he's holy, because he's merciful, because he's powerful, because he's all-knowing, because he's forgiving, because he sent his son to die for us. Because of that, we are part of this redeemed who can come before the throne and kneel down and give our crowns and give our everything, even today. Worship is derived from the word of worth-ship, that God is worth our praise. He is worth our best. He is worth our focus at this season. He is worth our attention this morning. He is worth singing to him. He is worth everything. So often we think of worship as, as just songs, right? A couple songs that we sing on a Sunday morning or maybe while we're in the car. And, and sometimes we even get caught up in the, the songs and we say, oh, I didn't really like that song this morning. It doesn't matter if we like the song. It matters that we're singing to God. But more importantly, worship is way past singing. 
You see, the, the, the elders on the throne, they're not just proclaiming with their voices. They're getting on their knees. They're giving their, their, their crowns. They're giving their everything. It's how they live. Are we worshiping how we live? Are those with us at, at our jobs or in our neighborhood, at school, or, or perhaps at home, are they seeing us worship? Are they seeing the way we live as reflecting that God is worthy of all glory, honor, and power in our lives. That question can hit home. John is writing to an audience that's facing persecution, facing opposition, facing pain and heartache, facing hard times might be similar to some people this morning. And he's saying, look at heaven. In the midst of our hard times, God is on the throne. And the sea is calm. And everyone is praising because he is worthy of our honor and power and praise. Because he is king, he is victorious. And he sees mankind represented because we have been set clean because of the death of Jesus and the resurrection, we can be before that throne in heaven praising God. We can rejoice that others are rejoicing around the throne because he is worthy, because he is holy. This is why we worship. Because God deserves it. I want to go back to one little passage that we came across earlier. In the book of Genesis, God floods the world, and we have Noah and the ark, and after the flood, God makes a covenant with Noah, a covenant with all mankind, that he would be faithful to man, that he would have a relationship with man, and the symbol of this covenant was a rainbow, right? We see rainbows often, and we have a beautiful rainbow after a storm, and it's a reminder that God is there with us. But I love that passage. We got a glimpse of this rainbow, right? In verse 3, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. It wasn't just part of a rainbow. It's a complete circle. In heaven, it is complete. That we are completely made whole. That we are completely worshiping God. And I love this idea that it's not just an image that it's a, a rainbow is a sign that God is faithful. But God is saying, here... Let me give you guys a little bit of heaven. Whenever you're worried that you're going through a storm, remember I'm faithful and I'm there, and I'm going to give you a little token, a little glimpse of what heaven looks like. Who doesn't see a rainbow and not think it's beautiful? And that's just a little glimpse of something encircling the throne. He gives it to us as a reminder that God is faithful and that he's on the throne and as if we accepted him with our heart as we've given our lives to him as we've accepted him as our savior that we will be there one day praising him this is what's happening right now and so at this season let it be a joyful time maybe it's a hard time either way let it be a season that we worship the one that is on the throne, the one that is faithful, the one that's given us a rainbow 
a little glimpse of heaven is a reminder that he is king. You'll pray with me. God, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you, God. Let, let these next two songs just, just proclaim who you are and sing out loud. But Lord, let this idea of worship go well beyond these two songs into the rest of this day and this week and this season. That we would worship you in the midst of our, our hard times, in the midst of our praises. That we would keep you as the focus. That we would give you our everything. God, not just in heaven, but here on earth that we would give you everything we have to give, that you would, would see our, that we realize we are unworthy, but you are worthy of all power, glory, and honor, and power, and praise forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen.